Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. We all know that time flies, but never as fast as when your kids are growing up and suddenly you're looking at college costs, which can be significant. Welcome back. I'm Patrice Socorro with your host, Chris Durow. Chris, how many children do you have? I've got three. And are you looking at college? Yep. Um, I started as soon as the first one, which is now 13, is born. We started saving right away. Wow. Uh, yeah, because it's when it comes to saving for kids' education, many times couples, will, they'll delay it since they have the newborn and they figure, hey, we have a whole bunch of time to start saving. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you think <laughs> you do, yes. You think you do. And then they'll justify by like holding off for now, like basically like, oh, you know what? we're on maternity leave right now, or one of us on maternity leave or parental leave. And, and we'll just, we'll get to it. Or then after that, then it's, well, yeah, but now the child's in daycare and that's a significant cost. Mm -hmm. So we're going to wait till that's done. And then we're going to really start socking away for their education. And then after daycare is done, the child now starts in sports or there's now a second child that's born or a third child. And you kind of see where I'm going with this. And like, like I mentioned, I've lived through this. I have three myself. (laughs) So one of the biggest problems with setting goals, especially financial financial ones, is that we're really, really bad at imagining our future selves. And we obviously do the same thing kind of with our children. Like we expect when they're first born, you expect that you have all this time. And I can relate, like when my first daughter was born, um, college was really not on top of mind because she's just so young. So you're thinking that, okay, we have this time, but I can tell you by the time I had my third child, uh, we had a pretty good idea how fast the years were going by. And, <laughs> yeah. and now with my oldest turning 13, um, I only have four years left to contribute to our RSP and get the grants. And I'll explain this more later in the show. But the thing is, is many parents in Canada, they're not using the RSP and they're missing out on all kinds of basically free money. And it's just really important that they start using it as soon as possible. So to give people an idea... The, the cost today of post-secondary in Canada, so including like tuition, textbooks, living expenses, can be anywhere between ten dollars to $20,000 per year per child, which means potentially for a four-year university program, like you're looking at over $80,000 per child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most people just don't have that money lying around. So every bit you can get from the government helps. And at the end of this show, you'll be surprised to hear how much, how much this can add up over time, because I'll just go through a quick scenario to give you an idea. All right. Now you mentioned the RESP. What is that? So it's called the Registered Education Savings Plan. And today we'll go over the benefits of it, what it is, why it's so important to start it as soon as you can. You're going to hear me mention that a couple times a day. Uh, Another big one is what happens to to the money if the children don't go to school, because that's a fear for, Mm -hmm. for people. 
and a tip to investing in the RSP I'll share at the end. And then once again, I'll just mention to you, that's I'll go through a scenario of how much a child will have by the age of 18, approximately. Okay. So uh, yeah, back to what an RSP is. It's just a tax shelter. It's one of the best ways to save for a kid's education in Canada, by far. It's a tax shelter plan, helps you save for their education. It has flexibility, tax deferred investment growth. Um, you get grants from the government. And yeah, the biggest, two biggest things of it is that it's tax advantage and, and, and the grants. But is there just one type? There is three types. So there's an individual, uh, it's pretty straightforward, just in the sense that anyone can open the individual RSP and contribute to it. That can be a parent, grandparent, uncle, aunt, uh, godparent, any of that stuff. Fan the second one's a family RESP is a family plan. So you can have more than one or one or more beneficiaries, meaning you have more than, if you have more than one child, um, you're definitely going to want a family plan and they have to all be related to the contributor or formally adopted. Mm -hmm. And the okay. beneficiaries all have to be under the age of 21, but this is the family one is by far the most common. Um, we open family plans for our clients, even if they've only have one child, because if they plan to have more or they're not even sure, we'll always open a family plan because it just saves a whole bunch of headache and that hassle to them, opening or taking an individual one and moving it to a family plan later. So we open that regardless. And then even if they decide to only have one child, it doesn't make a difference. So the family plan is the way to go there. The third one is the group RESP plans where one child is a, the single beneficiary. And there's like, you have many people not related, but like, I mean, you have a bunch of people putting money into the pot, kind of contributing this plan okay. and the beneficiaries share the pooled earnings of these investors with the children's uh, the same age type. So basically you sign up for it, your kid's part of it, you're contributing. So are other contributors. And once a child hits a certain age, they get a certain benefit in that. These group plans, they tend to have more restrictions and rules than the other plans. And if you Google these, unfortunately, some of these plans get some negative comments just because of, because of these restrictions. So it's just important that if you go this route that you just thoroughly read the contract. There's specific companies that sell just these RESPs. That's all they do. So, All right. Talk to me about the tax savings. Yeah. So one of the huge benefits is the tax savings. So you can literally save potentially thousands of dollars of taxes that can be saved when investing in these. And what I mean by tax advantage is that the CRA will cut Canadian residents a tax break in order to encourage them to save for the child's education. And this can be an apprenticeship, a trade school, or university. So it's important since many people think that it has to be a college or a university, because I'll just go on a little bit of tangent here. A long time ago, I used to get in debates with sometimes older advisors since some of them would not open RESPs for their, for their, their clients. And instead, they'd open in trust accounts for the kids. So their argument was, well, what if the kid doesn't go to school? And then I would say, well, it doesn't just have to be a university or college. It can be used virtually for basically all educational institutions that have been accredited by the provincial or federal government. So that's a huge list. Like, as I mentioned before, it can be trade schools. It doesn't just have to be university or college. It could be dance school, religious institutes, chef schools, many more. Hmm. So... You can even go to school out of country and use the RSP. And that's why we would have those debates. And if the kid, if the parents just open an entrust account for the child, that's fully taxed. 
And the kids and parents now miss out on all kinds of savings because this is tax sheltered. That's a huge difference. Huge. And even though you you put a deposit in the RESP, it doesn't it's not it doesn't create an immediate tax break for the investor or the parent, I should say. And you're using after tax dollars within the account, but you're not subject to any income or capital gains or any taxes as long as the money's in the account. So it grows completely tax free and compounds on itself, which I'll get into later. But once it's withdrawn and used for education expenses for the child, tuition, housing, books, living expenses, they're extremely flexible on that. Um, the investment games will be subject to taxes, but since the student, it's, it, it goes in the student's name, their income is zero usually or very, very, very little or non-existent. So they end up paying next to no taxes at all or maybe very, very little. So okay. that's how it works. And that is just a huge difference than if you're just investing it in something else. So what assistance does the government provide here, Chris? Yeah, that's a big one. So that's for one of the big advantages is tax savings. The second is definitely the grants. And the grants, basically free money from the government. So that's huge. And they're called the Canadian Education Savings Grant, CESG, as you'll see that abbreviation a lot. And that's basically a program that matches 20% of the RSP contributions up to $2,500 you're allowed to put in the account per year for the child, mm -hmm. which means you put that $2,500 in and each year you're getting $500 back. And that you can get up to $7,200 of that from the government. Not and bad. Yeah, well, it's basically $7,200 of free money, but then that grows tax-free over the years. So it adds up to be a significant amount. And with these grants, um, it's important to know that is it, so each year you're putting that $2,500 in, you get your 20% at 500 bucks. But if you miss a previous year, you can go back and catch up on previous year grants. And this just allows you to go back and grab any room that you missed. So that's good to know for a couple or any an individual that has a child that they maybe started the RESP later and the child say eight or nine is you can just start doubling up and contributing $5,000 a year and getting a thousand dollars in grants until you're caught up. So Okay. It's that's why it's just so important. I always recommend that it's so important just to open this as soon as a child's born and put in whatever you can. And I'll just add too that it doesn't matter how how high level uh that of income the parent makes, everybody gets this. So there's no uh, income restrictions on this. Okay. And what I also like to to mention too on this is like think of that though. I tell my clients you're basically getting a guaranteed 20% return on your money since you're putting that 2,500 in and now you're getting that 20% grant. And then that's guaranteed. Now you're obviously invested in something um, in the portfolio. So now you're getting something on top of that 20, like the 20% is guaranteed. And then also on top of whatever return you're getting on your investments. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty big. And another reason to start it as soon as possible is with these grants is that once a child is over 17, you can no longer receive the grants. So it's very important to make sure you're grabbing all of these before the child and top them all up before the child's 17th birthday, because then you can no longer get the grants. You can still contribute to the RESP, actually up to the 31 years the, the account's been in existence, but you're not receiving grants. And that's, a, that's the big thing. You're not receiving that after the 17th 
uh, birthday of the child. That's interesting. All right. So you, so your, if your kid doesn't go to school until 18, 19 college, I mean, you can just put money in, but you're not going to get the grant. Yeah. And I'll go through a, a couple things around that later. The only other one thing I'll just mention quickly is like, the, although the topic of this episode is aimed towards the benefits that everyone's eligible for, regardless of income, I will just mention quickly here that lower income families, they're eligible for even more grants than this. And as well, children from low income families, uh, the threshold is just mm-hmm. under 47,000 of, of household income that they're also eligible to, to get another thing called a Canada learning bond, which is basically they're adding another $2,000 to child's RESP. But yeah, I'm that's just, not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. I'm just touching on that briefly, but like I said, the, the topic of it today is just what the benefits that everybody gets. So, all right. So talk to me about investing. Yeah. So investing, this goes back to the point I just mentioned that you get that rate of return of the 20% grant you're given. And meaning that an advantage of the RSPs is the funds in the account may be used to invest in a whole different slew of different investments, such as mutual funds, ETFs, GICs, stocks, bonds. And usually these funds are invested more aggressive when the child's first born since, well, if you're opening it when the child's born, which is what you hopefully are going to do, you've got 18 years or a bit more until these funds are accessed. And that's, that's a long time. So you want to make sure that you're investing something that's getting you a decent return. Of course, the whole thing is the risk level has to match what you're comfortable with, but Mm -hmm. it's just giving you an idea. Like the money's not sitting there for one or two years. It's sitting there for quite a while, but as the child gets closer to 18, you need to start decreasing the risk level of the account. So there's actually even some mutual fund companies out there that have funds that automatically start decreasing the equity and adding in more fixed income automatically as the child gets older. You simply just, sorry? No, no, go ahead. You simply just pick the year you believe that the child will start accessing the money mm-hmm. And the fund company has a fund that will line up with that year. They're, these fund, the funds are called target date funds. It's just, it's just an option for RESPs that that work pretty well because then it, it automatically uh, avoids the account being too aggressive when the child is close to using the money. So, Patrice, why it's so important to pay so such a close attention to the risk level is I remember in 2008 seeing people that had RESPs for their children drop by 20 to 30 percent because the risk level has never changed from when the child was first born. Oh, oh and wow. Yeah, and it, I just remember seeing some of, we had some people coming in, into our office and that, um, that were clients at other institutions and it just wasn't followed up, unfortunately. And some of them were pretty upset because it just never got changed. Now, whether they changed advisors, didn't have an advisor, there was a whole bunch of different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is now the child's plan to go to school that year in 2008, 2009, and now a huge chunk of the RSP is wiped out. And the difference here is like a retiree, if that happens to a retiree, they can continue to work part-time, um, or there's other delay retirements. Uh, of course, with proper planning, we're going to advise her. Hopefully that doesn't happen to a retiree as well, but they just have more options. They have more time to wait. The difference with the child going to school is they don't have options to wait because, for, and they don't have options to wait for the portfolio to recover because they need the money right now. And if their program is only two years, three years, however long, and they don't plan to do more school after that, they need to get the money out of the RSP to make sure they get all the grants because 
if they wait too long and then don't take it out and then now don't finish school, you'll now lose those grants. So the takeaway point from here is the risk level really needs to be discussed and adjusted as a child gets older. Wow. All right. Do you, are you doing this for your kids? I'm assuming you are. Do they know it? Yeah. Uh, this, that is also a very good benefit of doing this is it sets a good example. So all three of my kids know that we have money set aside for their education fund. Um, the oldest one now, now that's into shopping and clothes and all that now <laughs> tends to ask what the value of it is. <laughs> and I will, it's just a per, to each their own or to each their own parents. I choose not to tell them the value that's in there because they're just learning about money and things like that. And I just don't, it's just a thing. They know it's there. Um, it's great. It teaches them about the value and importance of education. It shows them that we value their education and that we're investing in their future. And it just encourages them to see a school as being very important. So they know it's there. And we have many chats about what the money is for. And this is just fantastic because it they know like the next phase after high school is is college or university because we just have these chats. And when we talk about this and the education, the, the, the funding we have set aside for their education, it just opens up the discussion around this topic with all three of them, even the youngest one at seven. I'm like, well, I don't know what I want to be yet. And I'm like, well, don't worry about that. Some people yeah. don't know what they want to be until they're <laughs> 40. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just cool having those chats and those discussions around it. And yeah. It's kind of just, like I said, it's, they just know that after high school, that's the next stepping stone and that we take it very serious. And for things that we know that are going to cost a lot of money, we're putting a little bit of money aside now. And I explained to them that how the growth works and all that stuff. So it's, it's just neat that those discussions are, are, are coming up. So that's, that's a, a very big benefit for sure. Now you mentioned this, you touched on it earlier, but what happens if your children decide they don't want to go on to college or university? Yeah. So that is a, we get that asked a lot. And um, the good news is nowadays you, you're probably seeing that a lot less than 10, 20 years ago. Um, and that was probably why that's like, as I mentioned before, some of those older advisors had fears that the kids wouldn't go to school, mm -hmm. but there's just a lot more options that you can use the RESPs on, as I mentioned before, and while it's just simple, you see the stats, there's just more kids doing post-secondary something after high school than there was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So the good news is there's three options about um, here if the kid doesn't go to, to school. So the first one, the account can easily be transferred to a sibling. So as long as the child, the, the child that is still, so say you have a family RSP and the older child's like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to school. If the younger child still has grant room available, they haven't maxed out all their grant room, you can simply just transfer that RESP room and that over to the younger child or children still in the family RESP. And we literally just did that uh, for a client three weeks ago. Hmm. So that's the best option because nothing's lost, no grants or anything. Next option is, okay, maybe your youngest child now doesn't wanna go, there's no more children left or you only have one child. And you're the parent, they call you the subscriber, the parents are the subscriber, the kids, are the beneficiaries. You can now transfer the accumulated income to an RSP tax-free up to $50,000, but you have to have that RSP contribution room available to you as the parent. Now, of course, your financial institution is going to take the grants and the earnings on the grants 
and give them back to the government because obviously you can't keep those. They're not meant to, your kid doesn't go to school and now you pad up your RSP. Uh, but the good news is the other amount just will transfer to your RSP without tax implications. The third option is you just basically close the RSP out. And although the amount that you contributed, your dollars that you originally put in won't be taxed, the plan's accumulated earnings will be taxed as income at whatever your effective mm-hmm. tax rate is. But there's now, this is important, a lot of people don't get this, there's now an additional 20% tax on that, which oh. that can be significant. Think if you're in a 30% tax bracket on top yeah. of that, that's 50%. Now, if you're higher than 30%, you're paying over 50%. And the 20% tax is basically it's in place to offset the benefits from the ability you've been, you've deferring to defer this income for the last 20 years. So the good news is there's options. They're not. And once again, I'm talking with this about the family and the individual RESPs group RSPs are a bit different. You have to check the language in that contract, but for the, the family and individual RESPs, yeah, there's, there's options to get your money back. If the child does not go back now, Disclaimer, when closing the RSP or transferring the eligible funds, you want to make sure that you fully assess your financial situation and understand the tax implications. But what's really important too is before deciding on what option to do here, you got to make sure that the kids, kid or kids are not going to go to school. And we just all know that kids tend to change their minds. So if you think this could be the case to your child, just don't make any quick, rash decisions because thankfully you can keep the RSP open for 36 years. So it gives you a, a long buffer there on how long you can keep it open. All right. That was going to be my next question. Suppose the kid wants to take a year off between uh, high school and college. You're still good? Yep. No, absolutely. It's it, where we've just had the, the hurdles is when a kid does that, they want to go traveling or something for a year or find themselves within the year and they come back and they're like, you know what? Now I don't want to go to school and I'm not going to go to school. And then it sits there for a while. Well, if that's your youngest child or only child mm. after a while, then yeah, then you'll, ha- you'll have to look at the options. You just don't want to be too quick to do it. Yeah. Okay. And basically if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to, I want to just touch on a couple of things here. So it gives you like, obviously <laughs> plenty of time to convince the kid if you have <laughs> the, the, the 36 years, but since I'm touching on how long you can keep it here open, I'll also add a, a couple other things here that you can contribute out of your dollars up to a maximum of $50,000 over the RESP's lifetime. And just to be clear, that's 50,000 of what you put in. It doesn't count the government grants or investment returns. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go over that $50,000 of your dollars, it's the same penalty as a tax-free savings account where you're charged that 1% penalty from CRA each month. So obviously you want to make sure that um, you don't go over that. This is, so Patrice, this is one thing is that there's no limit on how much you can contribute in one year, but you never want to ever put the full $50,000 in in one year or over or even two or three years, which you can do, but don't ever do that. And the reason is you're only getting grants for one year. So when, if you put that $50,000 in all in one year, which you could, well, you, you, you got your 500 bucks, but then now you can't get grants going forward. Oh, 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 I see. Yeah. So when couples come, and this happens quite often, because when couples come into a lump sum and they want to put it all in the RSP because they don't right. want to spend it, um, I get them only to contribute to ma- enough to max out the grants for that year. So right. 
$2,500 if they have already received all the grants from the previous, like they'll put in 2,500 if they're caught up on the grants or if they want to catch up, they can put in the 5,000 and catch the previous year right. grant, right? Okay. which I already mentioned. But basically, I'll, and what I'll tell is I'll recommend to couples, they put the other amount in like a tax, if they have room in their tax-free savings account or somewhere else to hold the money until the following January. And they can now do another year of contributing this money to the RESP. So right, and gradually over the years, put it in. Yeah. And it's important to plan this out and just not to do those large contributions over the eligible grant room, uh, or you're just going to simply be missing out. And like, we've had numerous examples over the years where our clients get an inheritance from the grandparents or passing away. And they just like, you know what, we just want to just put it all in the RSP. So it's done. But we obviously help them plan around that because they're going to miss a whole bunch of free money from the government if they do that. Right. Right. Okay. What other ideas you got? Yeah. So uh, one tip I'll go over is I, I mentioned is that, and I, I know I, in podcasts, I try that because a lot of times people are listening to this in the radio, driving to work and things like that. I try to kill people with numbers, <laughs> but I do have to mention a couple here to get my point across. So here it goes is if you contribute the $2,500 each year for 14 years, you're going to receive that $500 in grants for those years. And that means at that point you'll have contributed $35,000 of your money and you will have the grants of up to $7,000 you would have received. Mm -hmm. Now there's only $200 in grants remaining. Remember I said the lifetime of the grant 7,200. Right. Um, this means in year 15, you would only contribute a thousand dollars to get the last $200. So now you've maxed out all the grants. This means you've contributed a total of $36,000 over 15 years and gotten all the grants, but the limit is $50,000. So you can still contribute $14,000 once you've caught up in the grants. And what I recommend is that if you have a TFSA as a parent and you have room, I would actually put the $14,000 in that as opposed to the RSP. Since once you've maxed out the grant room in the RSP, the remaining 14,000, the contributions will just, it'll go, it can still go in it and it grows tax-free just like a TFSA. There's just more restrictions on the RESP and why put the money in there if you've already received all the grants, but you have the room in the tax-free savings account and you're still going to still gonna grow tax-free there, but it's way more flexible and unlimited on what you can use that money for. Um, and you can still use it for the child's education versus putting that in the RESP. In the RESP. Oh. And if the TFSA is filled up, by all means, you don't have that room, then just put the $14,000 in the RSP. And once the grants have been maxed out, you can just put that $14,000 lump sum in all at once. We don't have to worry about little bits every year because the grants are maxed out. So that's just something that I've seen over the years that people just continue even after the grants maxing out the RSP. But if they have all this TFSA room, they want, might want to look at that. It sounds like a, a good amount of money, definitely, but we know college costs are just going up. Yeah, significantly every year. And well, you, you know, tuition costs even better than we do because of the, <laughs> of the US side, your tuition uh, costs are significant. They're ludicrous. Uh, yeah. yeah, but Canada's is catching up. Like they're, they're going up quite a bit per year too. And uh, it's, it, it can be significant, especially we just, we, you and I were chatting before about a, a couple that we had where they just, they hadn't planned and um, they had three kids going to university within 24 months of, of themselves. Wow. And they just hadn't saved as much as they would have liked. And it, that's a, that's a big bill. That um, is a huge bill. 
Yeah. Huge. So let, let me, so that, that gives me, let me go into this then is that I'll mention to give people a rough idea, mm-hmm. um, the numbers of it. Okay. This all sounds great, but what would that look like? Now, of course there's so many factors, but I, I'll give a conservative projection here. So basically how much are you going to have by the time your, your child's 18? So I just mentioned you contribute $2,500 a year for 14 years, then $1,000 a year, 15. You've put in $36,000 out of your pocket, your money. Mm-hmm. The government's put in $7,200 in their grants because you max that out. Each year, that money keeps compounding tax-free, which we've talked about. And now after you've made that final contribution in year 15, you're going to let the money sit for three years because most kids obviously aren't starting post-secondary till 18. Um, so let's assume a 6% return every year, which is a relatively conservative projection for an investment that long-term. I'm not going nuts here on the, okay. on the return. And of course, that can change depending on your risk level. But I had to just pick a simple conservative number, so I picked 6%. Mm-hmm. After the 18 years, the RSP is worth almost $86,000. That's a lot of money. So keep in mind, you have only put in 36,000, but you've now have close to 86,000. That's the power of the tax sheltered investments on top of the free grants. Mm-hmm. So that's a good amount of money to have ready for these kids, especially when you have multiple kids like me. <laughs> and I, I max out every month, all three of them. Um, I have since they were born. Cause I just knew that life wasn't going to get any cheaper as they got older. So I just started that and then you just kind of get used to it. So Patrice, that's mostly it. Uh, so hopefully today I've given parents a bit of a kick in the butt to start maxing out the grants if they already have RESPs because a lot of parents don't. And I, I get it. It, it can be, it, the cash flow has to be there. It's just sometimes people just tend to forget it. And a lot of times you just want to set this in autopilot and, and get it going anything. If you can't do the $25 a year, that's fine. Just put something in it because you're getting 20% grant regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I've convinced how important it is to new parents that it, they want to open a RESP right away. And you don't have to know exactly what your, what college your first grader is going to go to and exactly <laughs> what the t- tuition is going to be. Just don't pretend that 18 is a long ways off because I'm telling you it's not. So you better start saving as soon as you can. And there's no better vehicle for a kid's education than an RESP. And when new parents come to me, I always tell them there's four things you got to have checked off now that the little ones arrived. Will and power of attorney, two, appropriate amount of life insurance. Three, they have to know the household cash flow. No more guessing. You got a little one to provide for. You got no mm-hmm. money coming in, money going out. And number four, what we just spoke about today, the RESP. All right. So if people have questions, Chris, how can they reach you? You can just go through my website, book an appointment through there or email, and it's uh, threehatsfinancial.ca. Thanks for listening today, everyone. And this is a great idea, folks. I have kids that have children of their own now. I know they are planning for the bills that are going to come with the higher education, and they will be higher bills. We all know that. So thanks, Chris, for reviewing it all for us. For more episodes of The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth, follow this podcast. And this episode in particular, make sure you share with friends who have kids because they can benefit. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. 
click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.